Hey, everybody, this is Eric from the AdCast, the podcast for marketers and advertisers. As we wrap up 2020, I wanted to reflect on everything that we've been through personally and professionally. In this best of episode of the AdCast, we get to share with you some insights and stories from some of my favorite interviewees. We're going to talk about the successes and some of the failures that we've all had in this challenging year and how we overcame them. So I want you to sit back and enjoy the best of 2020 in the AdCast. This is the AdCast. You're listening to the AdCast. There's three things that I tell people to focus on. That's your budget, your media, and your message. People go call it the truth. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. If you hustle, you'll never go hungry. Hustle and motivate. Hustle and motivate. That's why they follow me, huh? I think I know the way. You're listening to the AdCast. This next clip was a very special episode to me. It involves Mr. Tyler Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm. Inside of our story or in our discussion, we talked about how much Tyler's dad meant to him. And Tyler also brought up this one briefcase that continues to help him fight justice for his clients daily. Take a listen. Now, you told me an interesting story when I was in Columbia with you. Um, and, and you had this story about this briefcase, um, this briefcase that you still use today, which is in good shape, by the way. Um, and, and how you said your dad, he was actually in the insurance agency and, and there seems like there's, that's a, you got such a great story. If you don't mind, um, let's, let's talk about that bag and your dad and, and what he instilled in you. Yeah. So, um, my dad was a claims adjuster for years. He's a pastor now, but, uh, he was initially a claims adjuster and he had a briefcase. And back in that day when he, when they were adjusting claims, some claims adjusters used to literally walk around with a checkbook and a briefcase, going to the houses of people who were injured and sitting down at the kitchen table, reaching settlement, writing the check right then. Wow. And so the briefcase I have now, so we're talking 20 some years later, it's his old briefcase. You say it's in good condition, but I think it's pretty, <laughs> pretty tore up, but I still use it, right? And I look at it today as like I'm picking up almost where he left off, but from the other side where I'm truly known that I'm advocating for my clients. And I'm getting them the absolute best result and not like how he was settling their cases for ideally less. And uh, my dad, through conversation we had over the years, he's talked to me about how some people would have certain lawyers and he knew cases were worth more and a lawyer would settle for less. And he would hmm. write a check out that briefcase. And I hold that briefcase knowing that we're not selling for less, we're selling for nothing but the best. And I carry that briefcase around as a reminder and picking up the torch where he left off to serve my clients today. The next clip you're going to hear from is the one and only Paul Potratz. Now, Paul Potratz, he's become not only a friend, but a great mentor to me. Some of the things that he's done, like Think Tank Tuesday, we actually modeled marketing minutes behind him, and he actually inspired us to be able to do those. The one special thing about Paul is he always seems to be ahead of the curve in anything when it comes to marketing. I want you to take a listen and tell us what you think. I think it's on one hand, it's harder if you don't have, if you don't have a niche, mm -hmm. if you were trying to start an ad agency and you were saying, I'm going to be 
Uh, I'm going to do Google AdWords. I'm going to do, you know, the traditional, what we think is an agency. If you were going to do that, uh, it would be extremely hard. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be hard because there's just so much competition and especially what's happening with Google and and all the different platforms that they're creating this automation. Mm -hmm. So it makes an agency basically almost extinct in a way. And I hate to be negative like that, but, but it's true. But if you have a niche, if you really dial in and you get very specific and you don't try to be something to everyone and you niche in right. and, and you can stay true to that niche, then I think it would be easier because there is so much noise and so much separation and so much confusion. And with that niche, it's going to be easy for you to, or easier for you to actually market yourself and make people understand what it is that you do. But could could being in a niche actually get you in trouble? I mean, because there's a lot of agency owners like, though, I don't want to lose a business, so I'm going to take it on. Uh, I'm afraid to turn down a client, you know, because they don't know exactly who they are yet. But could a niche get you in trouble? Well, it, niche wouldn't get you in trouble with that because that's kind of a politician mindset. And I definitely went through that, that I, I that I started adding all these services. Mm-hmm. But that can get you in trouble because now you become, you know, what is the slogan that you're? Uh, all things, to all people. You're nothing to no one. Yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. Yep. And you don't have a brand. You don't have an identity. You don't have the things that you need to stand out, be different, and attract people. And then you start going down these rabbit holes of trying to bring on these other projects that takes you away from what you really want to do or what you could really be good at. And now you spend this tremendous amount of time and you're not charging properly and you're losing money and you're losing sleep and you're not spending time with your family. And I'm speaking from experience Mm -hmm. and that's just not the way you want to do it. And I mean, and I learned early on very early to have a niche and then I forgot about having a niche and then I had to relearn it again. And niche is what you've got, what you have to do regardless of what you do. You need to have a niche. Right. Here's an interesting episode and this one goes out to all the marketers and creators out there. It's about protecting your brand. This is with attorney Takora Davis. She's an intellectual property and trademark attorney based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We talked about the movie, the founder, and how important it is to protect your brand. So a lot of businesses and a lot of marketers out there, you're learning right now that you have to protect your work and protect your intellectual property, right? So I'm on a line with Mr. Cora from the Creators Law Firm. Uh, Mr. Cora, you you brought up... uh, Burger King and how this other corporation came in and kind of squeezed them out uh, in simplest terms. But now I want to bring up a movie that uh, I hopefully you're familiar with called The Founder with Michael Keaton. And in that movie, you know, uh, you know, I've I've gone to McDonald's tons of times, taken the kids there before, but I never knew the history of McDonald's and how it started. And, and I heard about it inside of a book. And that's what really prompted me to watch the movie. But it almost seems like their work, the McDonald's brothers, the true McDonald's, their life work, their ideas, their intellectual properties, all of it was taken from them um, by Ray Kroc. And what we see now, the Ronald McDonald, the Grimace and everything else and all the other restaurants, those are Ray Kroc. That's not from the McDonald's brothers. So can you tell me a little bit about like what kind of happened 
uh, and and how that kind of you could be done today even. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's a great movie, The Founder, and I really love it. One of the most prolific scenes in The Founder is in the end, and I don't know if you remember this, but it was during the negotiations where Ray was in the bathroom and he's washing his hands and one of the McDonald's brothers like turns and he looks at him and he's like, why us? Like, you know, I just want to know why you did this to us. And he was like, you guys don't even realize the special thing that you had, do you? And he's like, no, tell me. Well, And he goes, it's the name. He was like, it's your name. He said, McDonald's. He said, it's so American. He said, it could be anything. And it immediately signified trust. And the brother said to him, you'll never have our name. He said, you want to be sure about that? And he walked out. So what Ray ended up doing, one of the things he did, it was a real estate play really with McDonald's that he was going about and doing the franchising and whatnot. And he really saw what could really it could be. But within that contractual agreement, Ray had the ability to use that particular name, the McDonald's, even though that was the brother's surname, because he had already began to expand. They they made several mistakes, one of which they gave up entirely too much control. They gave up so much control to Ray and allowed him to really, you know, make a play and they weren't really involved that it really spiraled out of control and they couldn't get back a hold of it. So they were actually, they gave up too much control Mm -hmm. and they were entirely too trusting of him. And because they were too trusting and they were passive, this is what happened. They allowed themselves to kind of get steamrolled. And finally, they did not, there's no way they could have understood the power of the intellectual property that they had, meaning in their name. And we saw that in the bathroom scene. They didn't even realize what they had. And most of the time, what I find with entrepreneurs is they want to start protecting their smarts when somebody else wants it. When someone else wants what you have, all of a sudden you begin to see the value in it. Everybody's like, oh, I got plenty of time to get a trademark. I got plenty of time to talk to an attorney. But then most people who contact me at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, they're saying, it's hitting the someone, fan. Else, someone else just started an Instagram page that has the same name as me. Um, can, can, what can I do about it? Um, somebody else started a business and they're in my same town. What can I do about it? And it's like, you've been in business for a year, for six months or two years, and now you're afraid that someone else wants to take what you have. And so I feel like that same spirit was operating within the Kroc brothers because they really didn't understand the power of the intellectual property that they had. And so there's no way that they had really strong legal counsel who advised them about what they were giving up or what they were doing. They were just entirely too trusting of him. And so what ended up happening was they lost control of their company And like the Burger King, it's actually Burger King. It was like in Illinois. That was the original location. They also could only, uh, they had their original location, but they couldn't expand beyond the borders of that original location, right? And so it's unfortunate what happened there. I really think another movie that is, you know, because the founder, entrepreneurs, it's it's almost like when I went to law school and they were like, you got to watch The Paper Chase and lawyers will understand that. I feel like The Founder is that movie that people tell entrepreneurs to watch. Like, yo, you got to go watch The Founder. But I think another really good movie that we should watch is Joy. And that is the movie uh, with Jennifer Lawrence who plays in it. And essentially, if you haven't watched it, Joy is about how Joy Mangano, she um, is a Jersey girl, I believe. She created a self-ringing mop. And I remember as a little girl, my mother having this mop and it was sold on like the home shopping network. Mm -hmm. And so Joy 
knew, okay, hey, I have this mop. She submitted a patent, but she got, you know, this patent attorney who who she trusted from like a friend of her mother basically said, hey, looks like this is a similar mop as someone else. And so what Joy ended up doing was she thought she had the same mop as someone in China. So she began to pay royalties to these guys in Texas. And towards the end of the movie, they said, listen, she's like, I took out a second mortgage on my house. You know, we're selling mops, but every single time I sell a mop, I have to give these guys a couple of like one or two dollars. I'm not going to be able to make a profit. And so in the end, they were basically trying to take her business. And she felt like, wow. gosh, I, I don't have anything else to do. What Joy did, and even in the face of that, her parents were saying, give it up, Joy. It's over. Mm -hmm. She locked herself in the room. She read through her patent. And she compared her patent application with these other guys' patent application. And she ended up confronting the Texas businessman because she then realized, one, there were no similarities within her mop and the other person's mop. In fact, those people had never even started to sell their mop. And finally, she was paying royalties to these businessmen in Texas. And they weren't even giving money, that money to the person in China. The mm -hmm. people in China had never heard about them. So what I love about what Joy did was she sat there. She, she of course, was not a lawyer, but she really took the time to say, let me figure out. I know my invention better than Common anybody sense. else. And she compared it with someone else. So she took back control. Then she went back and then she, she basically went to him and said, it seems like we have a case of fraud and misrepresentation. You know, so mm -hmm. it sounds like it's grounds for a lawsuit because you've been getting blood money from me. And so not only did she get her money back, but he gave her $50,000 on top of that. So she paid wow. 50. He returned that and gave her another 50. Right. So she went in there. She basically bossed up <laughs> and she told him, like, look, this is my stuff. You're going to pay it back to me. And that's that. And so she walked out at the end of the movie. It was beautiful. She walked out. Snow was falling on her face. And, like, she got her company back. And I love how that juxtap the juxtaposition of what happened with the McDonald's brothers. And, unfortunately, it seemed like, you know, they, they got, yeah, you know, some money or whatnot. But they really lost control of a billion-dollar company. Oh, man. As opposed to Joy, she went back in there. She took control. And now we see Joy's products in the container store, in grocery stores, you know, she has over 100 patents, you know, uh, because of what she decided to do that day. Wow. And I love, I think that entrepreneurs need to watch that movie because she really stopped. She really, she knew the value of her intellectual property, specifically her patent. And she made sure that she took back control of her company. And I love that that, you know, the founders, it makes you really scared, but I feel like joy will empower you. But also, like, another scene, you talked about a scene in The Founder that stuck out to you, like the restroom scene, but there was another one, if I can recall, they were at the table, and the guy was like, you know, do you have it in writing? And they only had handshakes. Yeah, oh, that handshake deal got them, because he was supposed to pay, I think, a 1% royalty off of every sale of either restaurants or something like that, and because it was a handshake deal, it was not put into a contract. Ray Kroc never honored that agreement. So again, the brothers, because they were too trusting and they didn't have the proper counsel, and it really is common sense. If you're going to get a 1% royalty, make sure that's within the body of the agreement. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't put in there, they lost out on so much money. So, so much money. So like, you know, I guess, you know, what you're saying too is when people are in business, you want to protect your intellectual property through and through. 
and also make sure you got it in writing because the handshake deal just won't hold up in court right this next clip that you're going to hear, it's going to be from a power couple, as I like to call them, the dynamic duo. It's Heine Martinez-Ward and her husband, Greg Ward, of the Ward Law Group. Now, these folks, they have a law firm inside Miami and also in Orlando. What I spoke to them about was the exponential growth that they achieved this year in 2020. Some would think that 2020 was just such a down year. You just run from your responsibilities. You kind of cower. But what they did was they put on their armor and they fought for their clients and it paid off big. Take a listen to Heidi Martinez Ward and Greg Ward of the Ward Law Group. And then uh, right before the break, uh, Greg was getting really passionate and really excited. Now you got me excited, Greg. I'm excited over here. We were talking about just being aggressive, you know, while others were pulling back, you were going forward. And if you remember, like in 2007, 2008, when things were happening, the smart people went right in. They went right, right. in. But I think what's important was when you went in, you mapped things out. So you, you were planning before this happened, Greg. So, yeah. and, and it's almost like, you know, I, I hear a lot of people, they get on podcasts and they talk about like, well, I'm going to help you get through this. Well, the truth is if you weren't working on it before it, you're going to have a hard time now while you're in it. So right. you were working on the, you and your team, you and Hani and the team, you guys were working on what to do before a pandemic. So when it hit, you didn't have to have the, the buy-in and the culture belief. Your people were already ready and they see what kind of leaders you are by getting through this pandemic and getting them back to work. So now it's like these folks will follow you to the end of the earth right now. So let's talk about how, how difficult it is right now for people to market during a pandemic. You said, you know, the cases might be down, but you know, it's going to come back up. And, and I feel like the effects of what's happening now or, or during the lockdowns, it'll affect law firms probably five, six months from now. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, when things kind of settle out, but how is it marketing for your firm now? You guys have gotten more aggressive and honey, you do a lot of the marketing. So, so, uh, tell me like, how have you gotten more aggressive without giving away the secret sauce? Well, I think that, um, right now we're all having a little bit of fear, but we realize that fear can be a very powerful motivator. And it's daring to do the other things that you didn't do in the past. So we're using that fear to, to dare, right? And to tap into new levels that we haven't had in the past. So we decided to uh, start a new channel that we had never been before. And right now we are on every Spanish TV station that there is available. So mm -hmm. whenever you're flipping the channel, you're, you're going to get bored of these faces right now. <laughs> and, and we're used to fear, right? And, you know, TV stations are scared. They don't, everybody pulled out of their marketing. Well, how can we use that to benefit our business? Mm -hmm. We negotiated the most competitive prices out there, and we expanded in all the TV channels, in radio stations. Uh, we uh, also expanded in social media, you know, and uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all these sources because right now if you're not flipping channels because you're bored you know a lot of people are unemployed a lot of people don't want don't know what to do a lot of people want to look at their phone so we're going to be in your faces too in you facebook go. and instagram yeah so. but, but i want to i want to talk about one other thing because it's it's really like i keep coming back to the spiritual side and right now we're in such a spiritual time mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, because there's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, my wife is an amazing light to the Hispanic community and the Spanish speakers in Miami. And I like to think that I'm a light too. And when I say a light, I'm talking about, you know, I want to get back to Jesus for a minute. You know, you read the gospel of Matthew. We talked about, you know, you're a light, a city on the hill and it shouldn't be hidden. Your light shouldn't be put under a basket. And so in these times of uncertainty, like it breaks my heart to see what we're going through as a society. Right. I, you know, I, and I'm, let's talk about black lives matter too. Yeah. Right. What happened to George Floyd? I mean, this is a, this is a time of uncertainty and a time of pain and time of suffering for a lot of people. And so, you know, you're thinking, okay, these are car accident lawyers, right? But the truth is we want to be a light to people and give them the, the light that we have, that there's God out there and he loves you and you have hope. And, and what has worked for us in marketing has been, we've been a light in a time of crisis in a car accident, right? Let's think about what happens. Somebody gets hurt in a car accident. They are losing hope. They're losing their job. They're losing their home. They're in pain. Their family's suffering. They're suffering. They're scared. I mean, that's, that's where we are now oh, as yeah. a society. That's where we are now. And so we want to get out there. And, and so in addition to that, we really have been trying to focus more on the light and the hope of, you know, supporting some of the charities. Like we, we support a lot of churches. We really, we, we want to get the churches out there and they're suffering because everyone is, is afraid. They started you know, online viewership was way up and now it's going down. Yeah. You know, this, if people are fragmenting as a society, um, you know, our, our country's leadership is, let's say not the best right now for <laughs> dealing with a crisis. And, and, and I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on because you could watch CNN and think Trump is terrible, or you could watch Fox and think the Democrats are terrible. I don't care what side you're on. You're thinking it's terrible. Right. So, you know, cause we have friends on both sides of the aisle. We try and be, you know, evangelists and say, you know, we're in the middle, you know, we're not, we're not here for these sides. We're here to talk about God. And so, you know, so we want to bring that light out too. And so that's a big part of our mission right now is to just be there. So God forbid somebody gets in a car crash, and they're feeling like they don't have any hope, they can look to us for hope. And maybe also kind of bring people up a bit in this time, because this is a really very difficult time for our culture and society. And it, and it does, it, it hurts, it breaks my heart, because I read the headlines every day. Mm-hmm. The hardest part is keeping my, my attitude positive, because I just see there's so much just disagreement, and people are yep. so frustrated, a lot of you know, it's very difficult. Yeah. And another thing that, you know, to echo what Greg is saying is there is good people out there. And what we have done is find, you know, those good people and partner with them. And you are the perfect example, Eric, and your team. You know, during COVID and throughout COVID, we have worked together. We have partnered together in creating commercials. And creating, you know, beautiful, I call it work of art, you know, marketing and, you know, videos and commercial and, and, you know, planning for the future. So I know that we're about to also get together to record more commercials and more videos. So there is good people out there that are willing to share your same vision. So find those good people and partner with them throughout this time. I, I like, I like, you know, positive attracts positive, negative yes. attracts negative. So somebody like you with the same mm-hmm. vision that you want to expand, that you want to push, that you want to grow, you know, we work in different areas, but we can do great things together. Right. And that's what we're doing during COVID. And, and let me tell you, there's nothing like a big pandemic and societal unrest to show you who your friends are. Wow. Right. Yeah. Truly. Wow. <laughs> Truly. Because God has given us revelation now too. Like people we've worked with in the past and we're like, wait a minute, they're just not there or revealing stuff where, you know, it, a, a crisis can bring out the best in people and the worst. In Absolutely. People. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so we see a lot of people, the worst is coming out and we, you know, we wouldn't have seen it had they not been tested. 
right? And so, you know, we, we, you know, and iron sharpens iron. So, you know, we, you know, we work together, we sharpen each other, we bring, we lift each other up. But at the same time, you begin to realize there's some people who maybe you shouldn't be associating with because yeah. they're, because this is brought out in the, in the crisis. And so this gives you the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to make some changes. Too. Yeah. We're doing too. This next clip, I'm so excited for you to hear it. It's from Will Holdren. He's actually the host of the Willpower podcast. He was a student. The young guy's writing a book. I mean, I, I'm just so impressed with him. I'm so impressed with his drive. And while he was interviewing me, I was also interviewing him at the same time. And one lesson that I came out and I shared with him was I told him that rock bottom will teach you lessons that mountaintops never will. He adapted that philosophy and he puts it into his work every day. So I'm excited to share this clip of Will Holdren. Take a listen. I think it's really important to be able to like self-teach things to yourself, which you were able to do in your restaurant business. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, first of all, I'd like to say, I'm sorry to hear about your parents. And when you were growing up, um, did you ever feel like you had, did you ever have the victim attitude? Like, man, like life is just against me right now. And there's no way I'm going to be successful. And I'm just wondering, how did you get the mindset, you know, that I can still be successful, even though I am an orphan, even though I did come up in the circumstances that I did come up with? You, you know, honestly, in the beginning, I did have that mindset, you know, when I was in, I think, fourth grade, third or fourth grade, um, this guidance counselor, her name was Miss McBride, you know, and, and, and I, I remember these things because they were very vivid to me and they still shape, you know, kind of how I do things today. And we had this group, my brother and I were in the group and there were other people and there was uh, all these people in the group were folks that had lost someone in their family. And so we labeled the group, the death group, <laughs> you know, and, and I thought, you know, like, you know, my, my path was just, you know, this is how life was supposed to be. But the one thing that I, I just kind of had to say to myself was, you know, we didn't have a, a ton growing up and we weren't, you know, so destitute that we couldn't eat. You know, but it was, I knew, you know, just because you may be in financial poverty, I had to look at it and say, I can't let my mind be in poverty, you know, because you can check out a book out of a library and just, uh, and read and just, you let your mind escape. Anyone who's ever read a book, you can just escape to wherever that book takes you. And sometimes I would just let my mind just go in other places. So for me, it wasn't about so much of the struggle is just, that's just the hustle. That's just the hustle. Yeah. And um, I was talking actually with my teacher about this the other day, about how it seems like most of these successful athletes nowadays, like they came up in those poverty stricken situations. Mm -hmm. And the main point that we brought up is that all these people, when they were growing up, they were at the rock bottom already. And they knew that they did not want to go back to that point in their life. So the, all they had to do was go upward. They had no choice. But for people, you know, that are like middle class, wealthy, like they don't know what that rock bottom is. And they're they're basically satisfied with where they're at in their life. So they really don't have that same motivation as, you know, the poverty stricken people that later become successful. And I just think that's an interesting point. And even though you weren't that poverty stricken, but I mean, you still came up in those tough circumstances mm -hmm. and now you're the CEO of two different companies. I think that's just, that's just the, the epitome of the, of the American dream. And that's really impressive to just hear about. Man, thank you, Will. But I, I'll say this, I, I'll say this. 
rock bottom will teach you lessons that mountaintops never will, right? Um, and it's almost like, you know, when you are on the bottom, the only place you can go is up. So why not just try and go up? Why not do everything you can to go up? All right, so that's it. That's some of my favorite episodes from the AdCast. I know we had a lot more. I wish that we were we had enough time to be able to tell you everything or go through all the episodes that we had. But these are some of my favorites and some that stood out. I want to thank you for giving us your most valuable asset, which is your time and listening to every episode of the AdCast. We promise 2021 is going to be a great year for the AdCast and hopefully it's going to be an even better year for you. This is the AdCast. Copyright VIP Marketing and Advertising, produced by Craft Creative. For premium video production and graphic design, visit WeCraftCreative.com. Hey, this is Eric from Craft Creative. I want to wish you and your family a very happy new year. Let's make 2021 your best year yet. Hey, this is Eric from VIP Marketing. I want to wish you, your family, your friends, and everyone a happy new year. Let's make 2021 the year to remember.